Welcome to the International Schools Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Mickton. Uh, Dan is busy traveling and will be with us next time. Uh, I want to just thank people because a lot of people that are listeners and audience members uh, are sometimes reaching out to us and say, oh, I have a guest or I have something to say. We really appreciate you reaching out to us. Just so you know, we usually plan quite far ahead with our guests, just logistics and with everybody's busy timetables. So sometimes we might not respond that rapidly, but also sometimes the topic that people are reaching out, we have already recorded or we've already done it. So just be patient and understand that uh, we're definitely keen to get suggestions, but we're not going to, of course, interview every suggestion. So your patience and understanding is greatly appreciated. We thank you also for the comments and also the feedback. That's really important. And our LinkedIn group keeps growing. So we thank you for those that are joining our LinkedIn group. Uh, we appreciate that. Well, today we're going to talk about, and my guest, while we were just chatting before, was saying it's a bit of a dry subject, accreditation and school inspections. But I think we're going to prove you wrong. Uh, because I think, as we know, uh, when you're an international school, often there needs to be some form of evaluation, assessment, or inspection. And there are a lot of different words used pending the schools. Because what parents want to know that, of course, you have your international school, you have your mission and values, but it's always helpful to have an outside organization that's neutral that kind of gives you a stamp of approval saying you meet X amount of standards and that there's a guarantee of these things happening in the school at a certain level and an outside authority that might be endorsed by a government or by multiple other nonprofit organizations are endorsing what you're doing. And it's important for schools to be accredited and have those schools inspections. And when you look at websites of schools, they will often have Council of International Schools, they have NEASC, WASC, or they will might have some British inspection accreditation organizations that I'm less familiar with, but our guest is going to share in depth about that. And that's kind of a stamp of approval. It means that you've basically met a certain level and standard, and this is an iterative process. This happens periodically, sometimes every five years, four years. It depends on the accreditation or the inspection. But this is really an important part of schools really demonstrating their quality, what they're doing, and really living by their mission and their school learning principles and their values. It's kind of having an outside person saying, we're just checking in on you to make sure what you say you do, you're actually doing. It can be a very rich process for the school and the educators because you do a lot of self-reflection. You go through what you believe and the curriculum and the facilities and the operations. And it's a great opportunity to kind of look through that lens with the tools that these organizations give you to really self-reflect and see where can we enhance, how can we always amplify and do better. And I think with any organization and any industry, the idea of self-reflection and looking inwards and really looking where can you do better, where could you amplify, where might be areas for improvement, 
is a very important process. We ask our children to do it in schools. We, of course, ask them to reflect and grow and, and you know, we give them feedback. And based on the feedback, they adjust and try to improve or enhance their learning experiences and their learning journeys and the artifacts that they share with us. So today I have the pleasure of having a Graham Tilsum who's the co-director at the Riverside School in Prague. And Riverside School is one of the big uh, international schools in Prague. It has a long history and has a fantastic reputation. And they uh, are an international school and they cater to three to 18 year olds. And Graham is actually coming not to talk about his school, even though he might use the filter of his school to talk about these accreditations inspections, but he volunteers for uh, CIS and NIASC and also works with British inspection accreditation organizations. And we're going to kind of dig into this and understand what does this mean? And he can share some of his own personal anecdotes. Graham, a real pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you just came back from an accreditation in India. So you're kind of hot off the press having done this. So there's very likely some great anecdotes. And uh, Dan is with us. Dan, I thought you were traveling, but no, you're here. It's wonderful to see you. How are you doing, Dan? I'm fantastic, John. Uh, great, Graham. Great to see you. I'm actually going to be at the school in about um, two hours from now. So I'll, I might <laughs> even see you in person. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks very much. Sorry for the delay, guys. I had um, something to run over today. So, but I, I'm, I'm better late than never. So sorry about that. Great. So, Graham, please maybe just frame uh, your role in the accreditations and kind of who you are a bit. Yeah, sure. So, um, my name is Graham Chisholm and I am from Scotland. So, I will try to make myself as clear as, as possible. So, I may be speaking quite slowly so that people can understand. Uh, I nobody, nobody understands me, Graham. So, you're 100% <laughs> 10 times ahead of me already before you even start. So, yeah, that, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. I can, we can narrow our audience down significantly yeah, within the first few right. minutes. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working at Riverside International School for, for 20 years. And when I first arrived here um, as, a, uh, as a, a younger school, we didn't have uh, an inspection body or an accreditation body that we were involved with. So I've, I've seen the process of a school growing up, um, you know, joining, joining a school that was in a, a very good position, but uh, really looking at the benefits of that external validation um, as being a, quite a, a central part to school development. So uh, it's, it's of interest to me um, and it's, uh, I am by no means an expert. I'm not employed by any association, by any inspection or accreditation association, but I am very involved both as a volunteer um, and as a school that is heavily involved in being self-assessed. So yeah, it's a very interesting topic to discuss. Thank you, Graham. So one of the things I think, you know, uh, our audience is international schools and there are many different flavors. There are some that are more North American centric. Some might be more Southern Hemisphere, uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and some might be more uh, the UK. So there are different terms. So one thing is there is the word accreditation. And if CIS and NIASC and WASC get involved, that's the term you would say. We're going through an accreditation process. But I know for 
uh, UK-based international schools that look to the UK, they talk about inspections. Maybe you can kind of explain the difference between those two. Well, yeah, I, I will try to um, I'll try to explain it without um, putting myself into a, a political situation here. I, I no think... politics on the podcast. <laughs> I, I think the uh, British schools overseas have done a lot of work to try to frame their process less to be um, inspection inspection like we used to have the kind of phrase of of, of hide and seek whenever a you know, uh, an inspection comes and, and they're trying to promote really now a more open and transparent and more self-reflective process. Um, as far as the accreditation goes, uh, my experience is, is more so with NIASC and joint accreditations with the Council of International Schools. And their focus is more so on um, their framework of, or rubric where a school self-assesses themselves and the visiting team really validate um, their self-reflections and then gives that advice against the rubric to say, maybe you're stronger at this than you think. Maybe there's areas here that you haven't actually focused on that you might want to consider um, for the future. So there is now more of a compliance aspect to CIS and NASC, where the British schools overseas is very much about compliance so that you get the stamp of approval from from the UK. Uh, if you go on a, a NIASC or CIS accreditation, they will tell you five, 10, 15 times, this is not an inspection. This is not a set of criteria that a school has to get to um, immediately. This has got nothing to do with your school. Um, it's, a, it's a journey that a school is on that you're there to, to validate and to contribute to um, with a small snapshot that you receive with the visit, but also really um, taking into consideration the self-assessment um, that they've done about themselves um, and, and reading that and making sure that you have a, quite an in-depth view of the school from what they say they are, from who they say they are, from the un unique aspects that that school will focus on, particularly in their unique um, international context. And, and we know that each country um, has a different context and a school will adapt to that. So there are many similarities. Um, I think there are more similarities now than, than before between say, a, a British inspection and an ES and CIS, but there are still very, I would say very different approaches still to how that, that, that's achieved, if that makes any sense. <laughs> No, that makes absolute sense. And I think what's interesting is that you're saying that maybe historically they were quite different, but now it's far more similar. And this idea of self-reflection and this idea of using a rubric. So there are this rubric is what you self-reflect upon. Are the British schools also working with the rubric? Is that the same structure? No, and that's where, that's where it changes slightly. And it is yeah, more compliance-based, um, and they uh, they will come out with um, basically statements to whether you're meeting um, the standards or whether with the British schools overseas, whether whether you have an outstanding rating um, or, or a satisfactory rating um, or, or a good rating. So they'll look at the leadership and government governance. They'll look at the pupils, the education. They'll look at the schools. Um, 
physical, mental well-being side of it. Um, they look at safeguarding from the British schools overseas, and they're really making sure that as a British school, um, we are compliant with the standards that are based in the UK. And they will rate those headings against um, their um, written standards and say, you know, where are you? Are you demonstrating a good level, a satisfactory level, or an outstanding um, level um, within these five, four different sections, basically? Uh, they've just actually reviewed these sections, the British government. So, so maybe to go back to the history of it, that the um, there are four um, associations that can come and inspect the British schools overseas, and that's that's Penta, ISI, um, Cambridge, and I've taken some notes, and, and the Educational Development Trust, and the the UK Department for Education. Uh, they ensure with Ofsted that they effectively monitor the schools and that we are deemed really as a, we have the full authority to act as a British school um, outside of the UK. So that gives a, a, an important benchmark um, as a school associated with Britain, whether it's used the curriculum um, that demonstrates that the values are similar. And it shows to parents that if they're gonna join Riverside International School or, or another British school, that we are in line with the top education in the UK. Uh, and then to go with that, there will be a published report that anyone can access that we should and must have on our website, and it will show whether the school is satisfactory against the UK standards, good against the standards, or, or um, outstanding against those standards. So, you know, you can see that it's, it's a stressful process to go through because you're actually being rated. And, yes, absolutely. You know, Graham, can I ask about, you mentioned Ofsted, and that's obviously... Just saying Ofsted will put the fear into heart of anyone who's worked in a, a school in the UK. And uh, I'd say not a very popular organization, quite honestly. I, I, I'm not in the UK, so I can say that without fear of retri retribution. But um, like, obviously, with, with, with Ofsted, a team comes in, like it, it just happens. You get very little warning and, and they're all in there. Like what, like the, the four bodies you mentioned, like what kind of level is it compared to, to Ofsted? Clearly, it's not that level of that hard. Uh, that 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 much coming up, but what? How would you compare it to like someone who's been through an offset inspection from from an international school perspective? I, I would say that it's definitely a friendlier approach um, yeah. because there are. It couldn't uh, be less friendly, I don't think. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I've read and continue to read a lot about Ofsted and the. I think the mental health pressures it puts on the leadership in the UK, and and make no mistake that trickles down to the staff, and that then trickles down to the students, and. Most of what I've read is, you know, what is the impact and what's the, you know, what is the purpose um, of these inspections and what is the impact on the whole school? Um, and I think they are reviewing that um, in the UK. The, the difference, Dan, would be that, A, we get to choose which association comes out or provider, yeah. basically, gets to come out. Um, so Riverside has chosen uh, Penta uh, International. And I would say about Penta, we um, they communicate very well with us, and they give us uh, they tell us their schedule, and we work on the best week that they can come out, and and by that not the best week um, to get the best lessons together. It's really about we've got events coming up here, we've got trips to Spain, we've got trips to Germany, we've got this happening. When can they come in to take a deep dive into the school when when everyone's here and yeah. the conditions are. are 
most effective for them and, and for us. So that, that pre-warning is, is well in advance. Uh, we write a, a self-evaluation um, against the British standards. They will read that. They will look at that. We don't rate ourselves, but they come in to look at the evidence. Um, and then they basically unpack our, um, our evidence through what they observe in the school. Um, it, it, so that is, is much more helpful. You know, it, it's far more transparent. Their communication is good with us. Um, and they want to form that relationship to say that we are not coming to to hammer you. We're not coming to we're not we're not going to come to make your life um, more difficult. But we're here to to be a, a you know a helping um, a helping piece of advice. Of course, it is stressful, <laughs> and it is yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's extremely it's an extremely challenging experience, but it's uh, but it's but it's helpful at the same time. Graham, so if I'm thinking about CIS and NIASC, as you were mentioning, it sounds like it's very similar. In other words, you, you have a dialogue, it's transparent, they, you do a self-evaluation, and then they come and look at that. And it's, again, very much finding an appropriate time where they're going to be able to deep dive into the school. So it sounds like there's a lot of similarity. Maybe the difference is at the end, you're not getting this rating. Yeah, and I think that is that. To be quite honest, is a that that is the scary part as a as an administrator. Riverside is rated as, as outstanding in all areas, and 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 that that is great. But you know what happens if we we don't get that rating next time? You know, does it mean that I have failed the school? That our teachers have failed the school? I think I think every year we can. We can demonstrate that the school is improving, and and you know the the real point of the accreditations should be about continual school improvement. That yeah, you know, we, we choose, and international schools will choose to um, uh, to pay a great deal of money um, to join an association and and to ask them to come out and to accredit or inspect a school. We can survive without it, but it's. It's not ideal and it doesn't show that the school is committed to self-improvement and that external validation. So it's um, where they have changed slightly, CIS and, and NIASC, is that NIASC have a, has an ACE protocol that some schools will go through and, and they do that more so um, without CIS, but they, they can they can work together. And, and the trips I do, they, they will work on the, the ACE protocol. Um, they will work on elements of that, but it's basically a joint accreditation. But we, we what are, is the ACE protocol? Can you tell us? The ACE is it's, it stands for Learning Architecture, um, Learning Culture, and Learning Ecology, and it's it's um, it's a deep dive again into uh, several aspects of a school. I, I have it written down somewhere. It's learning purpose, dimensions, evidence of learning, learning perspectives, learning autonomy, uh, research, reflection, action, governance, and leadership. Inclusion, diversity, equity, belonging, um, learning space, um, so facilities, and, and learning community well-being. Um, and where in the UK they've expanded their approach to meet some similar headings as well. The difference between NIESC and CIS is that CIS have, have similar headings. I'm going to just read them. They're called domains instead of, of, of learning principles. Their domains are purpose direction, governance and ownership curriculum, teaching and assessment, well-being, staffing, facilities, premises, community and home partnerships, 
and then residential. So you can see a, a crossover there. And when schools decide, like Riverside does, to have a joint accreditation of, of NIASC and CIS, they will use one framework and they generally use the CIS framework. Um, so, Graham, can I just ask, so you're, uh, you are doing both the PEN, uh, I hope I'm naming it right, the British PEN accreditation plus NIASC and CIS. So you're doing it three. Why would you, why would a school do three or actually, I'm sorry, CIS and NIASC is combined. Why would you do two different ones? What, what's the thinking of school administrators or schools when they do that? Social um, proof, I would guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to make our schools suffer, make our staff suffer yeah. terribly, probably, which might be. Uh, um, no, so the Penta, we, we, we chose the British schools overseas because um, when we are recognised as a, as a school, um, as a British school, um, it opens up a lot of doors for us. For example, A, we were recognised by the British government. B, it gives us that... Uh, external validation that we have the highest quality of British education. C, it means that we can do certain things like um, we can, for early career teachers, uh, teachers who have just completed their degrees, um, we can validate the next steps of their journey so that they can get their oh. teacher status because we've been accredited as if we're a school in the UK, for example. Got it. Um, that makes that sense. We've also had student teachers come across, and it, to an extent, you feel some of those small benefits of being in the UK, where where what we say is validated. Um, can you can you verify students for their PGCE now for the for the teaching component? Is, is that actually, is that because I know it wasn't possible outside the UK at one point, but now I believe it is. Is that, is that right? That's correct, and we can and and we do. So we, we do have some staff members who. Um, are outstanding but do not have qualifications. They, they, they are not teaching. Um, they are they will be in a class supporting. They are they're not employed as teachers, but they have the potential um, to be outstanding. So we have a company called ISTIP, who again they are not inspectors, but they validate our capacity to put people through, put student teachers or training teachers, sorry, through the process. Um, and again, they've given us a very high rating to say that the the process is, is outstanding at the school. And we have a dedicated staff member who has to be from the UK that has his tip training or that training to put um, to put the the, the um, newly qualified teachers or people going through their postgrads through the process. Um, and that really it, it's good for it's good for our staff to have a pathway um, to furthering their education. It's good for us to keep our best staff. And it's good for our existing staff to develop professionally um, and to become mentor teachers for the new teachers. And yeah, to be qualified. For so it provides a kind of a system of of, um, of developing, you know, developing teachers both already here and those who want to to be extended. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I know, I know, John. Like I've seen, obviously, various sort of ed tech conferences and things. You see, there's various bodies offering like teacher certification abroad. There's a few American ones offering it at various states and the Canadian ones. I've seen it. There's, a, there's at least one. We'll, we'll put a link to this ISTIP in case any schools are interested. But um, it, it's kind of a, a real demand, isn't it? Because a lot of people 
work overseas and they get a job at international school, but they're not a qualified teacher. They want to do it. And, yeah. you know, I think these pathways are really interesting. Like years ago, I, I did the PGCEI, which is like um, kind of an international, it's not a PGCE, but it's, it's, it's what people did overseas when they wanted to work for school and they were already overseas. But I think there's a lot more options available now for people to actually get like a, a U.S. state, state accreditation or, or a U.K. accreditation. Yeah, that, that's right. And they'll do their training at Riverside as well. So we'll put them through a, a teaching practice here, which is, yes. yeah, which is a, it's a great opportunity for them. Definitely. I think also in Australia and New Zealand, some universities are doing that because you have uh, educators from all over the world. So I think that's great. Graham, so what is a value added? So you've done the British, you know, you get the, 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 those connections and you've, you know, the, the accreditation, the inspection, and also that contact with the U.S. government. You can actually help teachers get their qualification, have a mentor program, which is fantastic. So what is the value added of having CIS and NIASC also part of your uh, ecosystem? Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a good question. Their, their approach, because it's slightly different than the UK, um, the UK is every three years, and NIASC and, and CIS is, is a five-year process of self-evaluation. And their focus is definitely more international. Um, and that's, that's quite clear. So as a, we see ourselves, and, and most British schools um, will see themselves as being, you know, British international schools. Uh, there are some British schools that, that exist that may, may have little to, to, to know British students in their school, yet we're, you know, uh, you know you're, with, with the promotion of, of global citizenship, um, you know, and looking at how to uh, promote intercultural learning. It's, it's very important now for all schools to look at their own unique cultural context. So the, the international accreditations, um, it provides a different lens to what we may be looking at as an international school. Again, a quite a, a different one. NIASC um, allows us to provide um, high school diplomas to our students if they don't go through the IB. So that opens oh. up pathways to, to students. Um, but as through my experience, they've always worked closely with CIS. Um, it means that we get, you know, an American accreditation, which which is um, a good marketing tool for our American students. Um, and NIASC are the, the oldest accreditation agency uh, in the world. Uh, they, they will accredit the top universities and schools in, in America, but they, I think, are basically the, found, the founding um, provider for this. So they come in with an incredible wealth of, of experience and knowledge, um, and they have a, a council for international education that oversees the, the international departments. Um, and then they work alongside, or we, we utilize the Council of International Schools um, to, to, to do a joint visit so we get both perspectives under the same framework. We've decided to use um, them both together because it gives us uh, one accreditation with, with two agencies. Their, their, um, their rubric gives an international perspective. Um, it will add things like, um, in their standards, it will say, do you have a definition for global citizenship? How is this implemented? How are um, learning objectives documented in the written curriculum for global citizenship? And so if you, as an international school, we're not, we're not thinking about this, to go through this process, you are. 
Um, and they, they both associations have slightly different terminologies, but they talk about your intent, your implementation and your, and your impact. Schools are brilliant at having intent. We want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. We were great with, with ideas. Um, the implementation is a challenge, as, as, as we all know. And, uh, you know, it fascinates me as the leadership at Riverside International School. We, we've been here for a long time and, you know, it takes three years, I think, to implement a big system well. And, and you know, we've, we're lucky here because the turnover of, of leadership internationally is, is, is frightening. Um, so really to implement something properly takes us, or maybe it's just me, but it takes us a long time to do it properly. And then to look at the impact, you know, you know, has our intentions been evidenced through, through, through some kind of growth or some kind of measure, you know, kind of it ends the loop so that you know what you're doing is, is, is impactful and meaningful. So that's where CIS and NIASC are very, very helpful. They, they drive you to look at yourselves in, in an international context. And I know that you guys are tech people, um, you know, they've got a section on digital citizenship. You know, again, do you have a definition? Okay, it's great that you've got a definition for that. What is it and how is it lived? How can you how can you how can you find digital citizenship in the curriculum? Um, is ICT and is online safety and is um, uh, coding and are these areas documented? Um, do we assess children on it? Do we have the infrastructure um, to provide this type of technology? Um, and they will come in and externally validate it. Yeah, you've got a definition, we can see it. It's lived, it's evidenced through the curriculum, it's evidenced through the practice, it's evidenced through your development plans. Or they might come in and say, you don't actually live it. Um, there's little evidence observed. And, and you know, a, a, a key area to look at for the next time is right, how do you look at your infrastructure? How do you look at your staffing? How do you make sure that what you say against our rubric lives? Um, so that it, it's a different type of challenge in the sense that you're not saying like the, the BSO, yes, we do this, we do this, we comply. You're saying, yeah, I think we do do this, but you know what? We might be able to evidence it better or maybe our infrastructure isn't correct. And it leads the team who, are, who write the report internally to, to really reflect on where you are on this journey and to really look at future aspirations so that you, you're you using the framework as a self-reflective tool. Um, so, so that, that lens is, is different. It, it evokes more deep conversation, reflection on where you are right now, knowing that in three years' time, the same question is going to evoke a different type of, of conversation because technology will have changed dramatically. So where AI two years ago wasn't in the conversation, well, it is now. And, yeah. and in two years' time, it's going to be a different conversation as well. Um, yeah. So that, that it's a different approach, a different lens, and a different set of expectations that that keeps us internationally minded. That's great, and I think you know, especially if you are a school like yours that has both a British curriculum and an international curriculum, I think that lens of global citizenship and international mindedness, those are important conversations to have, especially if 
you know, you might represent one culture, but the people within your community are multicultural. That's a great conversation, I think, uh, to have and really reflect on that. Oh, I, I think I think it very much is. And I think what the rubric does is it challenges us to it, it challenges they, 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 they call it aspirational and they've now with CIS and NIAS refer to it in the same way. They, if you think you've you've met you know a standard, well, let's look beyond that and let's look at how you can um, make it more meaningful and more maybe globally impactful. And so you're always being challenged. It's not a, a tick. We've done it. Um, an example for us would be that before the process, we had lots of evidence for global citizenship. But did we have the skills, the attributes, the learning objectives articulated well uh, as a school so that we can assess whether we're teaching the right things to our students? So we spent a long time auditing all the opportunities our students have in the curriculum and then looking at the gaps, looking at um, we used the Oxfam framework and said, wow, they're, they're looking at these aspects that we've not considered. You know, what do we need to do to, to actually expand and, uh, our learning objectives and, and, and document our process better for our students so that we can come back and assess it? Um, so we've developed a scope and sequence. We're really pleased with it. But now we're thinking, do we do enough about anti-racism in this scope and sequence? Um, maybe we don't. So we're now... As, you know, as we speak, we are, you know we have a we have a someone coming across from the UK who's just developed a scope and sequence for anti-racism, and we're thinking, okay, why do we expand their curriculum even further? And so that cycle of development, making sure that again, it's it's not our intent; it should be really now our implementation, and then looking at the impact of it um, to, to to make sure we're always growing and supporting our students to become globally minded but but to impact the world in a in a positive way and, and I think as we as we speak now we, we the, the turmoil you know to our left and to our right and, and, and when we look back and we, we look forward the news is just covered with with war and conflict and I think what the international associations do is they they challenge us to um promote this international mindedness so that these students can hopefully um, impact the world in a, in a much more positive way than us as adults have, have done. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's, it's a really valuable, um, these associations, it couldn't be more valuable at a more valuable time. Um, Definitely. I think, you know, it's a great point, Graham. It's interesting for me because, um, you know, international schools are often the first casualty of wars and conflicts. I mean, John and me both knew people at the, um, the uh, Anglo-American school in Moscow, which has had to close down recently um, mm. due to the allegedly for hiring unqualified teachers, which is blatantly ridiculous as it was the most qualified uh, staff in, in all of Russia. And I know the American International School of Gaza, who I've been involved in, is, is actually is actually an international school in Gaza, believe it or not. That's now obviously closed. And, and we don't know. I know one person now. I'm not sure what's happened to them. So I think, you know, obviously it's um, I think they had lots of these communities. And it's always a shame when anything like that happens to, to and I think what's interesting, Graham, what you were saying is that I think we underestimate the kind of the ethical responsibility we have to really instill in our students the idea of tolerance, anti-racism, equity, because the chances are most of, let's be face. Let's be honest, a lot of the communities that we serve as international educators are much wealthier 
and will tend to maybe get into uh, positions of power where they will have an impact and they will be in rooms making decisions for hundreds of other people. And I think what you're bringing up is this idea of really making sure we can say we do all this, but where is the evidence? Where does the rubber hit the road? Where do we know that a child's going to actually use different language when they're in a conflict, they're going to refer to tolerance over maybe emotional reaction. And I think we underestimate that. And I think that's why the work that you're describing is so important, because I think as you said, you know, a 360 degrees around us, there's a lot of not happy things happening. Yeah. And yeah, whatever we can do, you know, we might not have done the greatest job as adults, but what we can do is instill this, this idea, these ideals, but more than ideals, behaviors and understandings to maybe hopefully change that. So I really appreciate you highlighting how the intent is easy. It's really the impact and kind of Where's the granularity? Where do you actually see evidence in that day-to-day in the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I must stress, you know, that, you know, where I think Riverside's in a good position, we can always improve, you know, and that self-reflection, you know, is, is, is absolutely key. Schools are great at having International Day and, and things like that, but it's, it's far more than that now. Um, I would, if I may also add, the, the, the benefits both of the of the British um, and of NIESC and CIS, that is, is, I think, is now at the forefront, is their commitment to to safeguarding. And I think that's really um, a great, great advantage of going through this system. With with, with Britain, they they have a a document called Keeping Children Safe in Education. And it's, to my knowledge, is one of the most thorough reviews on how schools and colleges should provide training and policy um, to ensure that their schools are safe. It's, uh, I don't know of another do- document that is reviewed annually by, annually by the, the government that is more comprehensive. It's an outstanding document. So that's a great guide for us as, as a school. What the NIASC and the Council of International Schools do, they look at it in a, um, with an international lens again, uh, so there is a, if you go into the, uh, one of the advantages of being associated with the international organizations is that they give you a lot of support. There's a lot of um, podcasts, there's a lot of training, um, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, the The international task force for, for child protection has influence from NIASC, CIS, COBIS and so on, um, and they're developing their own standards. Um, so that not only do we have to comply to the British standards, but I can use the international benchmarks um, to to evidence that are we keeping up to date with everything that's required to keep our school safe, um, which is absolutely imperative. Definitely. I've actually yeah. got a question for John. Like, John, you've, you've obviously worked a lot of schools uh, in, in Asia, Africa, Europe. Um, what's been your experience of going through these inspections or accreditations? Like, do you remember much about it and which... What, what was it like from the point of view of, of someone working at a, at a school? I have found, and I, I mean, I would say initially IT was not really a focus, and that was yeah. maybe one of my frustrations. But as things have developed, they have. I found 
the fact that my teams would get together and we would have to do some self-reflecting, that in itself was a really healthy conversation. And to be honest, very likely we would do it on our own, but having somebody from the outside knocking on the door, you're like, okay, we can't really avoid this. There's a timeline, there's a sure. rubric, there's this tool. So absolutely, no, no, I think it's a really important uh, process. You know, I, I'm, I think sometimes the agility of these organizations and being able to adapt the accelerated change and the way things, I'll be very curious to see how these accreditation and inspection organizations deal with AI. And, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, those kind of things. I know that diversity, equity, justice, and inclusion, and anti-racism, and the child uh, safeguarding all have come in over the years. And that's been fantastic. But uh, I just think, it, you, you know, sometimes you need somebody to kind of pinch you on the shoulder and say, come on, you need to do some self-reflecting and that process in itself. And then that they're physically people coming to you, to your school, walking around your campus, uh, asking questions, you know. I mean, of course, there's always cynicism, but I think the, the, the intent and really what does happen, those conversations really highlight opportunities to say, you know what, we could do this better. Wow, we didn't think of that. So I'm, I think it's been a very positive experience in my time as a school administrator working with WASC, CIS, and NIASC. I've not had the opportunity of working with the British organizations, but I imagine it's the same. I, I think, Graham, what would be interesting is that you just came back from India. So yeah. one thing that you told us at the beginning, you're a volunteer. So you have a full-time job. You're a school administrator. You're co-director of a big international school. And then you decide to volunteer to do this. W why? Well, it's a good question. And I, I, I am not a gifted writer. So it seemed like uh, an enormous punishment when I go out to these Schools. The school I was in, um, I was with a group of seven poets that that <laughs> that, that my self-esteem was um, not at the highest. It's. It, I think um, one one of the keys for me as a leader is to to make sure that my leadership go on to these visits. We have um, we have leadership that are um, that work that volunteer for Penta. The one of our staff sorry, one of our staff members is going out in two weeks' time. Two of our staff members just came back two weeks ago from CIS visits. Um, uh, one of them will go out again on an ESC visit soon. It's it's really important for professional development. Having a, a deep dive into a different school, looking at their policies, their procedures, their practices. Um, we actually have a form that we we have our staff fill out when they come back from these visits to say you know. What did you learn and what could we learn as a school? Um, and we've, we, we've nicked some wonderful ideas, but also a lot of the time it provides affirmation towards what we're doing as well. So I can't think when you get into a certain level of leadership, I can't really think of, of better professional development to have our staff go out and to really unpack how a different school lives and breathes and, and then to come back and say, Right, we this school did this in a in a way that I've not seen before. Let's can we explore that here? And and that process is it, it's incredible. So yeah, we volunteer. We don't get paid. They they will pay for your flights, accommodation, their food. It's very expensive for schools to accommodate a team. 
you know, if you if you think of eight people's flights, accommodation, and and, and food and transfers and so on and visas, um, it's a massive undertaking for a school to do. But it's um, for us, it's it's very important professional development. I think that's really interesting. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't think of it as professional development. And obviously, you know, especially for your leadership, I think it, I've never thought of it like that, but it could be phenomenal professional professional development. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who maybe would like to be, go and do inspections and accreditations for one of the bodies we've discussed. Like, what would you advise them? Let's say, let's say they're not, it's not coming from their own director. They want to do it themselves. They want to become an inspector. Like, how would you, how would you recommend they start? Which association to look at? How would they, how would they get into that? That's a good, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's a very good question. I think they should definitely speak through their, you know, whatever channel they have for professional development, um, whatever channel they have for appraisal um, and um, for their own review of, of how they're developing. Um, for us at Riverside, to tell the truth, you know, I'm looking at staff who, who are outstanding teachers, outstanding leaders, um, I'm looking at that extra where they can get challenged themselves, where they can yeah. go through the process of self-reflecting while providing advice or, or to a different school. I'm looking at leaders who can not just represent themselves, but they're ambassadors to, to, to Riverside. You know, when they go out, you know, our school is, 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 is more visible when our staff go and do a great job. So I would say that if, if, you, if you're a teacher and you know when you're at the stage of saying, you know, the appraiser saying, I'm not quite sure what I can do now to, to push you forward. Um, I would definitely advise that this is a great avenue, um, both for the school and for the individuals. The, the avenues are, are quite clear. We, are, we plan to host a Riverside Penta training. We, we'll probably do that in January for level one and level two training. So that's for the British schools overseas. Um, there's some training taking place next week with Penta think in the in the Middle East so people can sign up for those trainings um, the Council of International School they provide training that uh, it's online it's very very well organized as well it, I, I, I participated in that training it's over a month you can still work and, and participate in this training um, in your own time but very comprehensive training and and NEASC provide training too so um, I would really I'd really advise that, you know, if you're a keen educator that wants to be developed in a, in a different way and want to contribute to your school, then you find an avenue to, to do that. Great. I love the fact that you're saying, you know, you give this scenario where you're appraising a, a colleague as their leader, and then you're saying, okay, we've kind of given you everything here, but I think the next step would be for you to give back. And as you give back, you're also going to maybe self-reflect and get affirmed what you're doing or maybe find some new things. And I think that's really powerful the way you describe that, because I think there is something about giving to other people and in the processes you give and you interact, I think you learn and in the process of giving, I think, uh, there's oh, I, so much to be said about that. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, John. I think with with the team I would just came back from, you know, there were two highly trained, you know, PYP, MYP um, members. There there was a, a there was someone else that that is friends with John Hattie, who, you know, the, the guru of, of, of international school research or educational research. And 
and even from just general conversations around the, the dinner table and, and in the mornings, you come back with a, a, an expanded knowledge of, of education. And, you know, I now have a, a, a ton of new websites and, and different resources just through the own internal team conversations. So I think um, the richness of conversation that you can have with your staff who have gone on that visit is, is deeper. And I think often you're only as often you're only as good as you think you are but to, yeah. to have that that external experience just it just provides a different level of conversation great what Can i, I like what, sorry oh, go ahead dan no go ahead i was gonna no john you go first i've gotten a slightly different point okay what i was wondering was and i really liked is that you say when you have your staff going out and they come back you actually kind of mine for learning that they had which i think is great because often you know you go on these visits and you come back and you kind of melt into the the landscape of your school and i i just i just want to highlight that because i think you know that is really helpful like even a little google form or whatever you use just to aggregate that data because that might actually be something then you can use so uh hats off to you for doing that graham no yeah no not at all it's it's all you know everything that we do is is about improvement you know and and the, the job of the leaders is to make sure that the the improvement plans are manageable and, and that we have the capacity to do it, that we can prioritize um, the big changes that we want. But, you know, the, a school, the only consistent element of a school is, is, is of a good school is change. So um, mining any opportunity um, for change is, is good, but it has to be managed, of course. Great. I had one final closing thing. We haven't really mentioned the IB yet. Obviously, you know, you do the diploma program at Riverside. John, you've been involved in a lot of, well, you work at the home of the IB now, International School of Geneva, where it was, where it was invented. That's correct. So, um, like, what, what, what's the, just quickly, what's the IB process? Do they do, they do an inspection or do you, do you have to get credited at the beginning and then re, kind of recertify? Well, I'm sure, John, you'll, you'll, you'll keep me accountable to the... Um terminologies here but they, you know, a lot of schools will um they'll mention that their associations with um examination or curriculum boards that will come across and they're slightly different than accreditation or, or, or inspection groups you know they and it's good that you ask that time because they, they there is a difference between both those groups for example um uh the cambridge uh international examinations uh and uh, IB and the Pearsons and the IPC and so on, they, they, they will look at specifics, our capacity to run the IB program, you know, yeah. and so they will come and inspect that curricular aspect to say, can you do that? They um, will be inspected to say wh- whether we can or cannot um, have the facilities for inspection to make sure, so our, for our um, examination to make sure that our conditions are, are, are right for that. So, um, so we are, um, and they will come across and, and they will go through that process with Riverside as they do for the for the thousands of schools that, that follow the whether the full IB or the IB diploma um, to make sure that we the conditions are correct for that. But schools may decide um, again, they've got choice to, to look at those other types of bodies who provide an element of inspection, but not the to, to make the distinction, not the full um, accreditation or inspection process. Uh, at Riverside, uh, we 
use a lot. We've, obviously, we go through IB. We've chosen to be associated with COBIS, the Council of British International Schools. They have, um, they have um, a route as well, I believe. Um, we also have Adventure Mark from the UK, and as a school who um, has a, one of our priorities is outdoor adventure, we bring across um, a group so they inspect, train our staff and inspect our practices so that we know that we're safe for, for these events. Adventure Mark is the same. We have a, a strong element on the, um, on the PE and, and skills for life. And they come to give us that advice on that specific area. Um, that's the same with the Duke of Edinburgh, that they will give us advice and so on. So there's lots of different types of associations who give elements of, of inspection, IBO being one example, but not the full inspection. Um, and so they are very different, but they are also very, very valuable, um, depending again on your priorities as a school. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, Graham, this has been so rich of a conversation and thank you for kind of navigating us through the terms and also the experiences and how schools, as you were demonstrating, can really leverage this experience to their advantage, not only by giving out, but receiving back in. And I think that's always important. Uh, you know, Adam Grant has this wonderful book called Give and Take. And a friend of mine asked me to read it about, 50, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe longer. And I just can't agree more. You know, the more you give, the more you learn. It's not always about taking. Yeah, and uh, that really resonated as you talked about your experience and your knowledge about this uh, topic. Graham, just any like parting thoughts, like if you're thinking of school leaders or educators, you know, often accreditation inspection, as Dan says, brings a certain amount of dread. Uh, what could we say to lighten the load or kind of make them think that actually there's something special about this? I, I, I would say that... Um, the best compliment you can get as a school is just to be a reflective school, you know, anyway. You know, the, the, whether you're coming from a British angle, um, whether you're coming from NIASC or CIS, the best schools already are reflecting on the key areas of their school. Um, they're all, they already have, using internal and external data, um, systems documented to show that they are trying to improve. They already have staff who are interested in... in new advances in technology and in, in global citizenship and in, in, in well-being and in, in safeguarding that that they are documenting to say we are we are trying to improve and those you know keep on doing that and if as long as you have that philosophy any accreditation or inspection agent will come and verify the fact that you have a, a clear pathway and a clear understanding of what change that you want to make for your school um, and they will always be impressed by that because the best schools are the forward-thinking schools and the, the schools that acknowledge the fact that change is good and change is a constant. Um, and whichever agency come to see you are verifying that same thing, um, just in a different with a different lens. So, yeah. so keeping being reflective, keeping looking for change, keeping trying to improve what the, the great jobs that you're doing um, and, and any external person agency will should recognize that 
Thank you, Graham. That's wonderful. I just want to remind our audience, Graham has been very kind in the show notes, put a little bio and some links. And also, if you want to get in touch with them, you can. I'm sure he'd be happy to talk. But definitely check out the show notes. And uh, Graham, thank you so much. I think you're going to bump into Dan uh, here in a few minutes yep. as he goes and picks up his two children. Uh, yeah, well, fully left, and, John. Uh, Graham, Graham, and my, Graham and my son are actually in the same class. So, oh, we've fantastic. Got, um, yeah, I've got uh, my first parent-child uh, review. I've forgotten the name of it. Sorry, over there tonight. So yeah, I'm going to be it's, there. It's okay, Dan. Yeah. Seven minutes ago, I was actually emailing while we were talking to say that that my wife isn't here yet and someone has to collect my son. Thankfully, that's been resolved. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Dan, don't worry. We're, we're in the same boat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, thank you again, Graham. And yeah. we look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much and all yeah, the no. best with thank your you so community. Much. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks. Take care now.